that time. The Sports Talker. Here's T.J. Walker. Happy Thursday to you, everybody. This is T.J. Walker here on 1450. The Sports Buzz, the Sports Talker, joined with Trevor Kelsey, the producer. Trevor, how's your Thursday afternoon going? This might be the quickest introduction you've ever given me. No, well, we're jumping right in. I wanted to know how you were doing. I'm actually having a good day today. Thank you. Uh, Toronto won last night. Looking for a game six win tomorrow night. Get to get home and time getting done here at work. And I'll be home in time for first pitch. Maybe uh, Cubs fans didn't get to see this. Didn't get to see the streak broken of 100 years of making it to the World Series. But maybe David Price can break uh, the streak of finally getting a postseason start win. The Cubs have been eliminated on Back to the Future Day last night. How The irony of that was just great, wasn't it, though, a little bit? It was pretty great. Yeah. <laughs> I, you know, I feel for Cubs fans it would have been. Uh, but if you were going to lose, you might as well get swept instead of uh, a heartbreaking seven-game series or have some guy try to catch a foul ball in game six and blame it on other things. At least this time, Trevor, they can just blame it on not being as good as the Mets. I think they're blaming on Rowan Gardner from the uh, character from Rookie of the Year who showed up at the game. He's to blame now. Didn't they have a, a that home run against the Cardinals that landed on top of the scoreboard and they boxed the – they put a frame around the ball and they're going to keep it there forever? I did not see that. They right. did, and I forget who hit the home run. but Oh, that would have was... been uh, Schwarber, I think, the, the, the IU product, the catcher. Well, whoever it was, it was um, they hit the home run and went on top of the scoreboard, and then they said that they were never going to take it down. So they put a little case around it and screwed it in, and they were just going to keep it up there forever, just adding to the more history, you know, adding history to an already very historic ballpark. But now, when you get swept in the NLCS, <laughs> it makes you wonder if it's even worth it to do that. Ah, it's Cubs fans. Let let them have their little bit of uh, day in the sun, no matter what it may be resulting from. But the Cubs have a great young core. They'll be they'll be back in the playoffs sooner than later. I'm not saying that they're going to break the streak anytime soon because I've made my stance that I hope they do not. You're but they'll be back either. sooner than later. How many so, times have we said that though? But did we say the same thing about the Cubs the year they lost with the Bartman scandal because they had the you had Pryor, you had Wood, two I don't know, great man. young pitchers. I was 12 years old. I don't know. You should know that at 12 years old. I was 12 years old when the Blue Jays won their first World Series, and I remember it. Man, you you were really showing your age there. I'm not that old, thank you very much. <laughs> I'm not that young either, though. That's the problem. <laughs> um, I'm just messing with you. But, no, I don't remember if they had a great young core. I guess maybe they did. They did. And then the next year, I think they fell short or well short, didn't make the playoffs. And that's what led to, you know, Dusty Baker being kind of, again, for the, what would have been the second of what turned out to be three jobs, and we look back now on, being kind of run out on a rail because uh, he couldn't get it done in the clutch. So we're going to talk We're going to talk other things besides baseball. We're going to talk Kentucky. Oh, They've got a big game this weekend against Mississippi State, and there's some Mississippi State news from today, and uh, some Mississippi State news that's really going to help UK's chance. So we're going to talk with uh, Mike Bonner from the Clarion Ledger down there in Mississippi. You sounded gonna, more southern than I've ever heard you sound when you said that. We're gonna uh, some words down, I say down there pretty, in, the, in the Mississippi. We gonna some we words gonna, I, some words I say pretty southern, but uh, we're gonna have him on to talk about the Bulldogs and their side of uh, of this big game on Saturday. It's a big game for Mississippi State as well. It's a big SEC game. Here's one thing that you know, we talked a lot about it yesterday in the Cats Illustrated podcast. You can go find that on on CatsIllustrated.com. Trevor sounded great. 
uh, every, we've gotten nothing but positive feedback so far. Uh, you, I want to thank you for what you did there. That uh, so so far so good with that. We talked a lot about Kentucky and Mississippi State, though. We'll talk about Mississippi State side of things, but some big news today from Mississippi State that could help Kentucky's chances, and that is the injury of one of their star cornerbacks, uh, Redman. And I, his first name, I should have written it down, but Chris. I wrote down Red. No, no, it's not not Chris. Bob. Nope, not Bob. Jeff. But they, it's a big loss for, uh, it's a big, it's a huge loss for Mississippi State. He's a, a guy that a lot of people were projecting to be potentially a first round pick in the NFL when he decided to, uh, to leave. And it's a secondary, it's a Mississippi State defense that teams have been scoring on, moving the ball on, and being able to throw all over. And now you lose their best, uh, their their best cornerback, their best secondary player. That's not ideal for Mississippi State. So we're going to talk to Mr. Bonner about that, just what the loss of Mr. Redman does. And I I, I wrote it, Will Redman. You were close, Trevor. <laughs> I'll say, I'm looking at their, their their defensive stats for this year, and I don't even see a Redman listed. Oh, there it is. He's, see- yeah, yeah, I see him down there. He's number eight. Cause I think he's got in- a few interceptions as well. Well, I had it, I had it sorted by tackles, so he was down there kind of near the middle of the pack at 12. Yeah, you don't want your cornerback to lead your team in tackles. No, no that would be uh, – what was the safety that for Kentucky? Johnson that led him in tackles like four straight years, ended up playing in the pros for a little bit. I remember my Kentucky fan friends would talk about how he's – oh, man, we at least we got one player, that uh, Johnson, uh, da, 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 and I'm like, safety, he's getting like 30 tackles a game. That's not a good thing. I don't remember a safety named Johnson. There's Marcus McClinton. No, this is, again, I'm probably showing my age. Okay. Well, um, so we'll talk to them about that. That really helps Kentucky's chances. One thing we didn't talk about in the podcast about this game is, while Kentucky's a big dog, 11 and a half points, which I would say if you have a chance to, uh, if you have a chance to bet that while well, it's 11 and a half now without Mississippi State having their best cornerback, I, I, if you're so inclined, I think Kentucky covers that now. But Trevor, this is a big opportunity for Kentucky, and it almost seems like everybody's riding Kentucky off as having no chance to win it. I don't think that's necessarily the case. I predicted, I think, a, a 10 or 11-point Mississippi State victory yesterday. Again, I would change that now without their best cornerback. I'd still probably predict a Mississippi State win as of today. But I'm, if you're a Kentucky fan, you've got to be feeling better about it. And just what a – they're going on the road again, Trevor. And nobody thought they had a chance to win that South Carolina game, me included. If Kentucky can win this Mississippi State game, uh, the talk next week, you're you're, you're – you kind of reset everything. We talked about how Kentucky gets all this momentum. They get the fans excited. Everything is looking positive for Kentucky football, and then they come up short in a game, and the the balloon just pops. But you have a chance to fill up that balloon again, get it back going, get the momentum going again, and you could be sitting at 5-2 and two where, again, I think most Kentucky fans, if you could snap your finger right now and say, hey, at, after six games, you're going to be 4-2, and two, would you take it or would you not take it? Trevor, how many? what percentage of Kentucky fans would take it? 90? Um, I would say, yeah, I would maybe drop a few percentages because of last year, but I would say, yeah, anywhere between 85 and 90. Because I can, see some, I can see some negative moronic fans being like, oh, well, you know, we were five and one last year. Who cares? Realistic, realistically, you probably should have predicted three and three. I, I, I think that would be the fair prediction, but they're, they're one game ahead of that at four and two. And if you can get Mississippi state, that's a game that nobody has really predicted a Kentucky win for. Then if you end up winning that game. 
then you're still better than what you thought. Even if you lose, you're still technically one game better than what you thought, and you're still on track to go to a bowl. If you win, though, you bring all that momentum back, and you say, all right, you go with you, you play Auburn and Mississippi State back-to-back weeks. You go one-and-one. One. I think most Kentucky fans would say, sure, hell yeah, I'll take that. Uh, so that's what's at stake here, Kentucky getting back to blowing the air in that balloon, the momentum balloon that has popped every time that it's been inflated. Uh, the Florida game, the Auburn game, are the two ones that I'm talking about. You can get that going again, and maybe this is a team that just likes to play on the road. Uh, that you know, history isn't in Kentucky's favor in that. You got to remember, Trevor, they broke a huge road losing streak earlier this season, but they did go in South Carolina, looked incredibly comfortable to start the game. It wasn't until that the pressure starting to build up of a big lead, they didn't really know how to handle that big lead that South Carolina was able to storm back, and they still made made big plays on the road. And what Steve Spurrier said was one of the rowdiest atmospheres he can remember. At in Columbia, they're going to go down to Starkville. It's going to be a blackout. There's going to be a bunch of stupid cowbells. Uh, it's going to be another rowdy atmosphere. Maybe this is just a team that likes to go on the road. Uh, we'll see. And again, we'll talk to Michael Bonner, who covers Mississippi State for the Clarion Ledger, about that later on. By the way, for the record, that afternoon was, around 4:45. By the way, for the record, that was Melvin Johnson. I was trying to think of. Okay, he went, who went to St. X. Of Cincinnati. Oh. Uh-huh. I was going to say, I think I would have heard of a Melvin Johnson uh, at St. X. <laughs> people, people talk about Scott Padgett's to this day at St. X. So. <laughs> it makes you feel better when at Wagner, the only credit, the only people we talked about was uh, was uh, Joan Osborne, the uh, musician who sang uh, What If God Was One Of Us, because she went to Wagner. <laughs> For yeah. for St. X being a fairly good <laughs> athletic program, and they've got they've they've sent some players to the MLB, and I you know Scott Padgett was obviously good at basketball, and, and the football program is one of the best, if not uh, the best, at least in the conversation, as being the best in the state. They haven't had a ton of professional success as an athletic program, but uh, it's okay. Who, who's the most still, successful person to come out of Saint X? The most successful person as an athlete? Yeah. Or no, just in general. Hmm. Well, I don't want to say athlete because Wagner's doesn't have those, and I can't compete. I that's a good question. I I would open that that up to anybody that felt the need to weigh in on it. Let me know who you think the most successful person is to go to Saint X. I think Tom Cruise went there for a year. He well, a short time. Yeah, yeah, I think he did. You're right, he did. He because he wrestled there. Uh, my my. Uh, Journal, my communications teacher at uh, Wagner, who was a wrestling coach, is what Fern Creek used to tell us how his uh, he beat Tom Cruise the one year he wrestled at St. X. So I guess technically he'd be considered an athlete, by the way. Maybe Chris Burke, the baseball player. Ah, yes. Yeah. He was pretty good. Uh, Clay B116 texts into the show and says that. Wagner has Alfonso Smith to brag about. Now that that was gonna yes, he's correct. He is the, the the probably the best athlete that you can at least go in professionally because I mean if there's one thing Wagner can say that Trinity and Sanix can't, we've got a guy in the NFL. Uh, the the probably the biggest though is Alan Parker, who is a director. Who he he directed uh, a lot of musicals. He did The Wall, uh, Pink Floyd, The Wall. He did Fame, did Evita, um, did uh, Mississippi Burning, which is a really good movie. Did a, did a lot of movies like that. He's probably the biggest name to come out of Wagner. Hmm. Uh, other, I, other than other that than doesn't, doesn't Os- ring a bell. Other than Joan Osborne, which is you know. <laughs> well, one name you need to keep an eye on from St. X is Justin Thomas, the golfer. He's gonna 
he's already playing. He graduated in like 2011 too. Is a sad thing, and he's probably got more money right now than I'm ever going to see. But he's he's uh, the next big thing in golf. He's going to be awesome. Uh, but plenty of uh, Bobby Bobby Nichols went to San X. He won the 1964 PGA Championship. Good for Bobby. So some some golfers. San X is, is pretty good at some of those uh, Olympic sports. I imagine they <laughs> probably golf have an cool. Olympic sport. I imagine they, they, you know, Will Wolford, the head coach, played in the NFL. Yeah, there you go, so, Will Wolford, yeah. Uh, Jim James from My Morning Jacket. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. TJ Walker from the Sports Talker. Yeah, you're <laughs> absolutely right about that. Uh, anyways, my mom also texted in that it's uh, Will Wolford is a, a notable alum. Yeah, that that might be one of your better athletics, especially at least in my eyes. Yeah, I, I, I would agree about that. Uh, let's get in our, our daily fix of talking Louisville sports. Nothing uh, new. Katina Powell, well, there is some stuff new, but Katina Powell is going to, uh, she's going to go on The View tomorrow, uh, which, okay, can I can I admit something here to you, Trevor, just between you and me? What, that you heard me snickerly laugh when I heard that news in my ear? You know, if that made you snickerly laugh, I thought that she was going to be on The View today, so I watched the majority of The View today. <laughs> <laughs> How was it, by the way? Oh, oh man, it was terrible. At the end of it, it was did, at the end terrible. Of it, at the end of it, did you go, man? I kind of envy Trevor for sleeping until one o'clock today, right now. It came on at eleven o'clock, so you know I'm there working and kind of typing and having it on in the background and just thinking to myself, okay, I'll I will I'll turn it on when uh, I'll turn it up and stop typing when it comes on, but I'm going to keep my eyes on it. And then, you know, I'm watching, it's 11.20, nothing on. I go take a phone call, put it on pause, and think, okay, well, I'll just fast-forward. I'm fast-forwarding it. And they're talking about something, and they're in-depth, but they have no graphics on, so I don't know exactly who they're talking to or talking about. So I turn it on listen. They're not talking about her. Then the final 20 minutes I'm watching, I'm like, all right, well, they better bring her on here. Uh, they're, running, they're running out of time. It was so stupid. And these people don't – that makes me curious for how tomorrow's interview is going to go because those people – and this is no disrespect to the people of the view or the, 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 the people that they have it supposedly a huge following. I don't know how, but they basically just debate stuff. And then somebody will say, Oh no, you're actually wrong about that. This is what happened. And then the person that was debate <laughs> and then the person that was debating will go, Oh, okay. I didn't know that. I figured that it was just like that. And then the other person will say, well, I think it's like that. Maybe it's not, who knows? And they'll just, they don't really know what they're talking about. And then one will act like they will, and then another one will prove them wrong, and then they'll all just kind of hold hands and and, (laughs) enjoy each other's company. Sing kumbaya together. (laughs) They were talking about Hillary Clinton and uh, whether or not, I I think there was a quote that the, she said that the Republicans are the enemy, and they were debating whether or not that was a fair thing for her to say, and how some Democrats are getting mad at her for saying that, and Joe Biden said that, the Republicans are the opposition. They're not the enemy. We have to find a way to work with them. They're not out to get us or something along those lines. And then they were, they were just arguing whether or not that was a smart thing to say. And then they started talking about how Joe Biden didn't want to run for president because he wanted to spend time with his family. But if a girl said that, then she would be berated and not taken seriously. And I don't it, it was, you know, it was a little too much for me. Sadly, sadly, with her being on tomorrow, that means I'm going to have to watch The View two <laughs> days in a row. <laughs> Back-to-back days. I might as well start recording at this point. Uh, you might as well get some testosterone shots scheduled for Friday. Uh, who's, is is, is uh, Rosie O'Donnell still on The View? Who's The View? Who hosts it now? 
I don't know. They I don't think they have one. One host. Don't they have like a a group of people on there? Isn't that yeah, they got like, like, a, like they, a panel of some kind. They they've got several people on there. I think Whoopi Goldberg's on it. <laughs> Good to see she has a job since doing Jumping Jack Flash. I don't know. I don't know. I didn't know who any of the other people By were. The I wasn't really the, paying the view attention. Is to the fourth longest running national daytime talk show in history. I would have never yeah. guessed that. So yeah. it, this it kind of reminded me of an Office quote, which <laughs> Dwight. Dwight admits that he went to see Wedding Crashers, but he thought it was a movie about bears. But he, <laughs> but he didn't leave because all He's bear attacks. Bears. You, you never know when a bear attack is going to strike. So he thought it was, they were still going to. It was still going to strike during the movie. He wasn't sure which one it was. Uh, but no, that was how I was. So I spent my morning <laughs> working and watching The View and being very distracted by it. Uh, they are in their nineteenth season. 4,000 episodes. You're about 3,999 behind. So I, I'm curious to see how they're going to handle Katina Powell because on one hand, okay, here you have a, a woman that allowed her daughters to go into an escort service, which was basically prostitution. You can, you, you, She's going to obviously try to spin it a different way, but you can spin it however you want, but uh, you, you can't spin the fact that it was an escort service. Well, but, but they only paid for their 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 company. Anything they did after that was consenting adult uh, choices. Exactly, I, I know, and that's what <laughs> you know. That that probably would hold up in the court of law. Holds that up being, on Craigslist. That that means he <laughs> 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 <You> would know. <laughs> Just saying. <laughs> but um, so here on one hand, you've got a group of women that you know I I don't know their politics or what they stand for because I've only watched the show paying attention for like 30 minutes all, all together but uh, you could say wow what a terrible role model to your daughters you're an awful person how could you let them do this you're trying to just profit off this scandal and you're bringing your daughters down with you and, and ruining their names and not giving them a good guidance for the future that's one way they could handle it but also as a group of women they could say you know what we're glad that you're telling your story everybody makes bad decisions uh, you're you can be you know you're showing that you can change your life that there's wrong going on in this world and people need to hear about it and they could also trevor kind of lift her up as being this positive figure i don't want to say a role model or a hero because yeah, neither one of those harriet, are right it's but, just a modern day harriet tubman <laughs> but they could they could portray her in this light of a of a victim of sorts being kind of used and abused by the university of louisville and now she's finally striking back going to make some money, tell her story, and bring down the Louisville basketball program. How can someone who pursued the profession and and accepted the profession, never said no, was being forced into something and abused by someone? I don't think anybody's saying that she was forced into it, but she was obviously just looked at as an object, and that's maybe how she only valued herself. I'm just I, I'm playing I'm playing devil's advocate with myself and showing that you know on one hand the view could really tear her apart for being just a terrible mother and a, mon- a money hungry person person, or they could say <laughs> you know stop what stop you there before I have to dump you, <laughs> or they could say you know what you made some bad choices but this should never be going on at a major athletic program. Nobody should be asking this, asking women to come in and dance and strip and have sex with young kids. You know, you got caught up in it, but now we're glad that you're changed. You've changed your ways 
and you're telling your story. That can't be easy for you to do with the backlash. I'm just saying, there's two ways that that interview could go tomorrow. He thinks it's and tough I for her. You think it's going to be tough for me having to sit through the view tomorrow. You're gonna well, you won't be up for the view tomorrow. I'm gonna DVR it. Yeah, DVR but then you'll get to just fast forward it when she comes on. Well, you should have you should have done that too. You should you should have DVR'd it at eleven, gone on your run, and come back at noon. But here's the way I, I like to run earlier before that. But yeah. uh, it's getting a little too hot. I can't believe it in late to mid October, but it's getting a little too hot. And Yates uh, agrees but, with you. He said it's exact. He said just is it'll go down exactly how you just described. But the latter, the the, the, yeah, the, the victim one. part. Yeah. Well, the the first one would be the former. And Whoopi will call her girlfriend at least three times. I bet. <laughs> oh, I, I could I could see that happening, but here's the thing, and, and this will go with the view tomorrow, uh, definitely. But on, just on a national scale, these people talking about it on a national level don't know all the details like we do, Trevor. Not just you and me, but people here in Louisville that have covered this since the day it broke. They don't know all the details. Uh, there's continuing every time there's a national guy talking about it, even if it's Dan Patrick or whoever it may be, they're getting facts wrong with the story, which is kind of annoying, but I guess that happens everywhere. Happens when you and I, When you and I talk about UNC, I'm sure we're getting some facts wrong. When we talk about Syracuse, we're getting some facts wrong. When there's these scandals, you don't really know all the details unless you're living there, following it day to day, hearing every interview. And even you and I could be getting some facts wrong. We don't know all the facts just yet. Rick Pitino came out today, released a, a kind of an update on how the team's doing, but was very clear in his stance on what he's going to do. And Trevor, he is not going to step down. He's not going to resign. He hasn't been listening uh, to the sports talker with TJ Walker. But here was his quote today. He said, First, above all, I'm sorry we have to endure the pain of these allegations. I so appreciate your support and friendships. I will not resign and let you down. Someday I will walk away in celebration of many memorable years, but that time is not now. I do not fight these accusations by others, but rather turn the other cheek. Couldn't do it at 33, but at 63, it's the wise thing to do. Let's let the investigation investigators do their job and we will play basketball. And then he goes on to talk about all the players and how they're improving this and that. Uh, we're going to head to commercial break. I've got some things to say about Rick Pitino's comments. And then around 540 or 445, we're going to have uh, Michael Bonner on Mike Bonner on to talk about Mississippi State. So stick around here on 1450. The Sports Buzz. We'll be right back. Presented by Allen Electric. That's as good as money, sir. Those are IOUs. Go ahead and add it up. Every cent's accounted for. Look. See this? That's a car. 275000 Might want to hang on to that one. We're back here, 1450, the sports buzz on an absolutely gorgeous 
gorgeous Wednesday afternoon. Trevor, what are you going to do to make the most of this beautiful weather? I'm going to hang out here with you until 5, uh, 5.30. Then I'm going to fill in for Nick Coffee until 7 on Inside the Press Box. Uh, we'll talk about a little bit uh, what you'll be getting, what you just kind of referred to as the blog post from Patino, plus some other, any other news that came out today involving the Skank Scandal 15, as well as uh, we'll have uh, Eric Avedon on to talk about a little Boston College football. Oh, that sounds like a nice little Thursday. Nice. It's a good Thursday, typical. Maybe you want, maybe if I have time, I'll swing over to Bed Bath & Beyond. I don't know. It doesn't sound like you're going to really be enjoying the weather outside. Well, I'm indoors with air conditioning like Mother Nature intended, so I'm okay. Okay. <laughs> well, it's, it, hopefully you can get out there. I, I'll I get agree. out here. I'll leave When I leave at 8 o'clock after going deep at 7 to 8, I'll, I'll, I'll be out there. Right when it's cooled down a little bit, which is perfect for me because I don't like the heat. Our buddy Kyle Tucker just tweeted. He came back from SEC Media Days down there in North Carolina and I guess flew into the Lexington Airport and tweeted a picture that the Breaking Cardinal Rules book, the hardback edition, is available in the Lexington Airport. It's right next to the John Grissom book. <laughs> which is pretty funny to me. I wonder how many, just as like a prank gift for Christmas, how many UK fans are going to give their Louisville family members that. Uh, as, a, as a gag gift. I, I bet that's going to be a popular item. I can promise you there probably will be a decent percentage of them. I would say you, you could see maybe 10% of Louisville fans doing that. 15 now, that might sound low, but it's still a pretty decent amount of people. Yeah. I, I'm wondering how many are there because there's a pretty big stack of John Grisham's next to it. Well, there are also some breaking news that UK target Jared Allen is going oh, to head up to. there we go. I extended the picture now, I see. So can't, that's going to head up to Kansas for an official visit, but um, that's not necessarily breaking news, but figured I would tweet that out while you were talking there for a second, Trevor. <laughs> no it's problem. Good. Glad to give you a chance to tweet something. But uh, actually, he's already deleted the tweet, so I actually caught it at the right time. Who, that's Tucker? About having Jared Allen. No. Oh. He, uh, he, he tweeted that he was heading up to Kansas for an official visit and has since deleted the tweet. That was pretty quick delete. It was really quick. I mean, it was all within a matter of 10 seconds. Okay. Well, I can happen uh, in 10, he, 15 seconds. Trust me. No, yeah, I, I, we know that. I'm here because of it. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so talking about uh, Rick Pitino's comments today, I read it before the break, basically saying he's not going to resign. He's not going to let you down. Someday he's going to be able to celebrate everything he's done at the University of Louisville. That's not going to be today. Anyways. Sorry to disappoint you, TJ. What? Well, and it doesn't disappoint me. And I finally kind of talked about it on Twitter, everything that I've been saying on this radio show today. And it was all UK fans that responded back to me basically saying he didn't need to be, why would he need to be fired? Or why why wouldn't he need to be fired? This is ridiculous. And I, because I said, he doesn't deserve to be fired from this, but it's in the best interest of Louisville to do that. And and I've made my point pretty clear about why, Trevor, right? Yeah, whether you agree, you, well, whether someone he, agrees or disagrees with it, you've made your point. Because when you hear when I say that he probably doesn't deserve to be fired for this, and then I say that he should be fired for this, people could be scratching their heads saying, "Wait, how does that make any sense?" My point is, he's no, you know, he's no spring chicken. He's only going to get older, and you send a message to the NCAA by firing him, and the penalties may be less severe if you do that. That's my point on why they should, not necessarily because he deserves to be fired. 
He's not going to coach much longer. Regardless, you might as well start the healing process right now. But here we understand why Rick Pitino is not going to do that. He thinks that him resigning is would be hurting the University of Louisville. I will not resign and let you down. What he doesn't understand, Trevor, is him stepping down would be helping Louisville's program. And maybe that's narcissistic, but that's the issue there. He thinks he's helping Louisville when it, and whether you can disagree with this if you want, but in time we will find out that it will it will be factual that he is hurting UofL by not stepping down. So I think uh, this is a mistake. I think he's letting the pride get the best of it. And I get it. When you're a prideful person and you're as competitive as a guy like Rick Pitino is, you're not going to leave after getting punched. You're not going to quit a fight after getting knocked down. He's always going to try to be on top. The thing he doesn't quite understand, Trevor, is this isn't going. there's not going to be a ride-off into the sunset moment for him. And if there is, the best-case scenario is a senior day win, maybe a surprising tournament win. Well, then you'd still have the, the tournament loss. He's not going to win a championship at UofL again. You don't He's know just that. Not gonna, I, I do know that. He's not going to win another championship at UofL. Can you give me lottery numbers, too, for this week? <laughs> well, if I uh, that's uh, that would be much harder to predict. But here's the thing is Louisville's going to get a postseason ban. They, they are. It's just whether it'll be this year or next year. And if they don't want it to be this year, because you've got fifth-year transfers, and again, this will likely be Bettino's last year, even if he doesn't know that. Uh, if you don't do it this year, then you got 2017. Let's say I'm surprised and Bettino comes back next season. Okay, well, if there's a postseason in the band there, Trevor, recruiting's going to take a hit. Okay, so does Louisville gear up a team for 2018? Is Bettino still there in 2018? At that point, I know a lot more Louisville fans are going to be backing my opinion that him stepping down will be helping the program. So he's not going to have that sunset moment, and I don't think he quite realizes that. Uh, I've got nothing but respect for Rick Pitino. I can't say enough good things about him. But, Trevor, it's just not going to end well for him. What, what is stepping down? How is that? Isn't staying with the program giving it more stability through what could be a rough year and a possible, depending on how much they can connect the dots to in the long run in terms of probation or in terms of, Punishment, we'll use that word instead of probation since you hate the word probation. Uh, in terms of punishment coming from the NCAA, wouldn't it be more beneficial to some degree to the university and to the re- even what, what recruiting is left from what might not be what might be hurt from punishments that he is there instead of him resigning and the, the basically the entire coaching staff being in, in, in mystery and up in the air? It, it would be up in the air for one year. And then at the end of this season, after your interim head coach is finished, then you bring in a coach, you can bring in a good coach, and then you just, I don't want to say you, you start completely over, but you handle the penalties, and, you know, you kind of do start over. You move forward, a new dawn of Louisville basketball. Yeah, I, I don't get no why so many Louisville... being the fact that Patino's the godfather, supposedly. I don't get why Louisville fans are so stuck in rallying... Rick Pitino, besides just stubbornness, you don't want to admit that something is actually happening at university. And if you see your head coach leave, then that would be a shot in the arm of a realization that things are things are happening. Things are happening. Open your eyes. Open your eyes, sheeple. <laughs> things are happening. I just wanted to. I just wanted to say sheeple. But no. In all honesty, 
the program. You better back off, Dino. The the the, pro, the program needs to move in a different direction. Uh, I've seen posts on Facebook about people trying to make their profile picture Rick Pitino to stand in support of him. Trevor, it just kind of sounds like the Mississippi State, or the I said Mississippi State thinking of Penn State. It, it sounds like the Penn State situation. Oh. You remember when all the cameras were on in Happy Valley and there were rallies and people were flipping over cars? It hasn't gotten to that extreme yet for Louisville. But everybody outside of Penn State was saying, wow, these people are idiots. Why Why would they blindly follow a coach so much? Well, it's be, not quite as... For most of the part, most of, most of the stupidity came from the people who wanted quick judgment outside of Penn State more often than not. Not for the riots on campus. No, but I, I mean, I understand what what, what what Penn State loyalists were, were upset about in terms of the mistreatment of somewhat Joe Paterno despite his connections with the whole scandal. Yeah, but you, I mean, that. just go back there. And so you're disagreeing with people saying Joe Paterno is in the wrong? No, I don't. I don't think there's a right or wrong answer to it. I mean, you can have your own opinion, but I just I did not agree with the way the NCAA so swiftly just punished and went after them without really even doing much homework just to appease the the Twitter you know Twitter torch carriers that are the social media. Well, punishment and, and, and since they've come back and let let the media let the, the Twitter world and the Twitter mobs basically cool down, move on to something else they hated, and then they just basically gave everything back to Penn State. Well, punishment in the Penn State scandal versus what could happen in Louisville are going to be completely different because yeah. I do agree with you. The NC, that wasn't really their jurisdiction to come down on Penn State. Uh, there wasn't technically any NCAA rules broken in that case. But that, that's a completely different story. I'm just talking about how, okay, Penn State did this huge wrong. And who you wanted to put the blame on, whatever. It, it could have fallen on uh, three dozen different people. It could have fallen, right. if you wanted to just put it on Sandusky, you could say that. But no matter how you spun it, there was a dark shadow over Penn State. And so many Penn State fans just rushed to point the finger back at everybody else and say, we didn't do anything wrong. Uh, one person made a mistake. You know, screw him. He's done. We don't care about him. But this does not represent our university. Everybody else did the right thing. No. No. Not everybody else did the right thing. One person might have only been the person breaking the law or doing something severely wrong. But if you are a, a CEO of a company and your company's suffering from branch managers, that's going to come back on you, Trevor. That's going to look poorly on you. So it's not one person at a major organization, at a major company. They can't, they, you can't just pin it all on one person in these scenarios. No, I agree. And, I and, agree and, Penn, State, and Penn State tried to do that, and it made all their fans, it made the rioting look stupid. And I feel like Louisville's getting to that point. I feel like Louisville's getting to that point. Trevor, let's get uh, Mike Bonner on right now. All we'll right. go. We'll just we'll talk to him for ten to fifteen minutes. You continue minutes. to rant. I'll get him connected. We'll 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 talk to him for ten to fifteen minutes, and then we'll go to uh, we'll take a break at the five o'clock hour. I'll be right but, back. But um, now that's that's my point. There is you just don't have to blindly support him. It's okay to not to not have an opinion right now. It's okay to want to wait and see. But I really do think Patino just doesn't realize that him staying, I think, ultimately is going to hurt the University of Louisville. Just my opinion. But again, I do like Patino. 
I, I wish him the best. I wish he did have a walk out in the sunset, ride out in the sunset moment. I'm just not so sure that's that's going to happen. Uh, but we are. Trevor's going to let me know when we do get uh, Mike Bonner on to talk Mississippi State football. We're obviously going to have to ask him about the loss of Will Redman, what that's going to do for Mississippi State. We're going to ask him about how the Dan Mullen era is going down in Starkville. Dak Prescott, who is uh, the best quarterback in the SEC, gave Kentucky a lot of trouble last season. And Mississippi State is Kentucky's rival in the in the SEC, according to the conference. They are their locked opponent in the West, so they play Mississippi State every year. When the, the conference went to 14 teams, adding Missouri and Texas A&M, they talked about maybe getting rid of the locked opponent, changing the locked opponents. As we have it right now, it stayed the same. Mississippi State has absolutely dominated this series with Kentucky lately, which is no surprise that Kentucky has uh, has struggled years past. This used to be an even series. It's not anymore. It could be a game that could, Kentucky could count on for a win. And since they haven't, Kentucky really hasn't gone to a bowl game. So UK obviously will look to get back to that. And from the Clarion Ledger, Michael Bonner. Mike, how's it going? I'm good. How are you? Good. Thanks for joining us today. Uh, kind of, what's the just kind of paint the atmosphere for me down in Starkville. This has been a season where I think the expectations were lower, at least from what I heard. I know Mississippi State wasn't picked to finish in the top four or five in the SEC West, but they're having a pretty quietly having a pretty good season. It's not like this time last year where they were ranked number one, but I, I think the expectations have been better than expected. Yeah, I think, you know, outside the program, there was a lot of questions surrounding Mississippi State in terms of the 15 seniors, senior starters. They also, I guess, starters, not all of them were seniors, but the 15 starters they lost from last year and how do they fill those holes. And really, for the most part, they've done a pretty good job of it. They have two losses against two very good teams, Texas A&M and LSU. And really, the LSU loss at home, they had a very good chance of winning a couple of better decisions down the stretch and a couple of made plays down the stretch, and they could have very easily won that game. They missed a 52-yard field goal to, to win it by the time expired. But as I said, a few uh, different decisions by the coaching staff maybe put them in better uh, position. A delay of game really put them out of field goal range. So it, it, they're a team that I think could beat any team in the SEC West, which I'm not sure people thought of that going into the season. What's the vibe for this game on Saturday? I know it's going to be a blackout in Starkville. It's going to be a night game. Any SEC fan, any fan across the country loves for it to be a night game. You get more time to tailgate. Usually makes for better atmospheres. But it is Kentucky, which isn't a sexy opponent when you compare them to everybody in the SEC West. But it is a 4-2 and two Kentucky team. It's a U.K. team that has, uh, that's 2-2 two and two in the conference. So what's the vibe down there in terms of this Saturday's game? Yeah, I think a lot of, you know, players and fans, uh, well, I guess I should say fans, not so much the players, but a lot of the fans are, um, as you kind of mentioned, it's not, you know, the SEC West opponent, and Mississippi State has had such dominance over Kentucky um, that most people thought last week against Louisiana Tech was a trap game. Uh, but this game, I think, is going to be a lot, of clo- a lot closer than any fans expect, and I think the players are expecting a much closer game. You, you saw last year at Kentucky, when Mississippi State was ranked number one in the country, it was a very close game. The Wildcats jumped out early on the Bulldogs. So I think the the fans uh, are expecting a win at home. They haven't lost, uh, I think. Um, well, they lost, obviously, to LSU this year. But um, last year they went undefeated at home. 
this year they've had kind of a similar dominance at home. So I think fans um, are expecting a win, but I know the players, and from what I can see, it should be a close game. These games cross divisional rivals are very close, and not one team has really pulled away. Even though Mississippi State has won most of the games, uh, it, they haven't been you know lopsided or one-sided. And we're talking to Mike Bonner, the Clarion Ledger, covers Mississippi State football down there. Uh, in Starkville, and that's you're you're spot on about how this rivalry has been one-sided. It used to be pretty competitive, where you never really knew, and there was a shriek early uh, about ten years ago where it seemed that the road team had the advantage in this series. Uh, not the case anymore. Only Mississippi State has had the advantage in this series. Uh, another point about Mississippi State this season is they have now played seven straight games, and the bye week is right there on the horizon, right after Kentucky. First off, I know there's big injury news today, and I expect you to talk about that a little bit. How are the Bulldogs staying healthy? Are there people banged up? Because when you play seven straight games at any level, that's going to take a toll on a team. And do you think that could possibly be a distraction, just knowing, okay, you get through the Kentucky game, and then you finally get a week off, making it all the way through September on October without having a Saturday off? Yeah, I think um, it, it, it's crazy the way the season has kind of played out because – Mississippi State started the year, and through the first five um, weeks, basically, through Texas A&M, or leading up to Texas A&M, I should say, they were really healthy, and they hadn't really suffered any major injuries. And then they played Texas A&M, and they lose Kendrick Market for the season. They're starting safety with a torn ACL. Gabe Miles and Joe Morrow, two wide receivers, go down with injuries. And even a couple of guys who have returned since then got banged up in that A&M game. This week, uh, their best cornerback, Will Redman, He'll likely miss the rest of the season with a torn ACL. There's no way I can see him coming back in the next two months uh, to even make a bowl game with a torn ACL. So the injuries have really kind of piled up as of late. Um, Gus Wally, their starting tight end, left, left last week's game after taking two really hard hits to his chest in uh, the neck area. He came back from a wrist injury last week, so he, he hasn't really played in three weeks. So the injuries are piling up, and I think if they can get through Kentucky healthy, it's a, it's a couple of weeks that they're really going to um, um, just try to get healthy because they do have uh, Missouri on a Thursday that following week after the bye. So even if, after that game, they'll have an extended break heading into uh, Alabama as well. So it, it's certainly a stretch right now where Mississippi State's going to try to get as healthy as possible after a barrage of injuries lately. It'll be looking at Mississippi State's schedule. I mean, it really does play out to if they if they get by Kentucky, it's not crazy to think they could beat Alabama at home, and then their road games at Missouri, at Arkansas, very winnable. And then you finish the season with rival Ole Miss in Starkville in the Egg Bowl. It's not it's not crazy to think that they could go ten and two. I think this is one of the most underrated teams in the country, and and leading that team as he has for the past few seasons, Dak Prescott. Hasn't thrown an interception this season. Uh, that's an impressive stat nobody's talking about. Yeah, and you're right, kind of across the board, whether it's when you look at the schedule, it really you don't necessarily think Mississippi State is a 10-2 team, but when you look at the actual facts in front of you and the teams they're playing and where they're playing them, you think to yourself, well, you know what, if they're 10-2 and and next month this time, you're not really that surprised by it. And the same thing with Dak Prescott. No one's really talking about the season he's having. They're not number one. He's not really a Heisman contender. No one's really talking about him. But he's quietly putting together, in some ways, a better season than he had last year. He's 
much, much better passer than he was last year. As you pointed out, he hasn't thrown an interception. I can only think of maybe one uh, instance where it, the ball maybe should have been picked off. But even then, if he has one interception at this point, it's still a really good season. He's getting to his second, third, fourth reads as, as a quarterback. And even Dan Mullen said, at this point in his, in his college career, they actually think he's reading defenses too much. Maybe after that third read, fourth read, take off and run. He's waiting in the pocket trying to find anything to just pass it rather than run it. And now it's trying to find the balance of, okay, hey, my first three options aren't there. There's a lane here. Let me go run on that instead of trying to get the ball to the fifth receiver and then taking a sack. So, as I said, he's really progressed as a passer this year. It's really night and day compared to last year. So why are people talking about him? Because this was a guy that a lot of people thought was going to win the Heisman this time last year. And, you know, there's other people across the country. Leonard Fournette seems to be the, the runaway for the Heisman this year, and that's understandable. But why is nobody even just talking about him as, one, a good pro quarterback, two, as maybe the, one of the better quarterbacks in college football this year, and at least a Heisman contender? You're not hearing any of the same buzz you heard last year. Yeah, I think there's a couple of reasons. One, it's that the rushing yards are way down from last year. He's leading the team in rushing, but it's only about 250 yards, which is really low if you compare it to last year's stats. I think the, the other thing is it's really it's crazy to think that there's only five games left for Mississippi State, but it's still early when you look at last year, Mississippi State was number one in the country, and they had the front runner for the Heisman, and then nothing happened. They weren't in the college football playoff. They finished outside the top ten, and Dak Prescott finished eighth overall. So I think if he continues this streak, though, and they do finish 10-2, and two, and he continues to play at the level he is, they're going to creep up into that Heisman talk again. But you just look at last year, I think they're going to try to finish differently because they lost their, their two or their, yeah, their two regular season games last year late in the season at Alabama and at, uh, at Ole Miss. Two of, I think, the last three games they played were losses. You look at this year, they lose two games early, but maybe they're going to try to finish strong. And if they do that, I think they may get more Heisman consideration when it actually matters than maybe when you look at last year when he was the front runner in October, but then really dropped off in November. And we're talking to Mike Bonner. That covers Mississippi State football for the Clarion Ledger. Last year's game, Mississippi State versus Kentucky in Commonwealth Stadium. Very close game. Mississippi State returned that oh, terrible, terrible onside kick for a touchdown to put that game out of reach. I'm sure everybody remembers, Kentucky fans, I remember it all too well, unfortunately, for them. But it really was a breakout game for Patrick Tolles. Threw for nearly 400 yards, two touchdowns, didn't throw a pick, also did uh, a fine job rushing, kind of had a Dak Prescott-like game uh, against Dak Prescott. Uh, he Patrick Tolles has had an up-and-down year. But he did have success against this Mississippi State defense. And like you mentioned earlier in this interview, uh, they're banged up. The Bulldogs secondary is banged up. Do you have the expectations that Patrick Toll is going to go in there and, and this is going to be a high-scoring affair? I do. I think it, it could be a high-scoring affair. And that's what I would kind of expect with the success he has had last year. He actually outplayed Dak Prescott. When you look at the numbers, I think Prescott only had about 300 yards total offense and three touchdowns. Tolls had, uh, as you said, more than 450 yards um, total offense and four touchdowns. So I don't think there's going to be any intimidation factor for him, especially with a banged-up Mississippi State defense. Um, it, it, it's going to be probably a shootout, which should be exciting for the fans in attendance and, and for those watching at home. I think it should be an exciting game, and it will probably be a close game too. Yeah, it, it, the 11.5-point spread I felt was maybe not completely crazy, but it, it certainly seems high, and especially with the news today, of, uh, unfortunately, Redmond going down, it, it may be uh, too high, 11.5. Is it expected to be a sellout on Saturday night? 
It is, and when you look at the spread, even last year, it was, it was as you mentioned, the, the the onside kick return. There could be a score like that that makes it more exaggerated than it actually is in the game. But yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't expect the that that big of a spread throughout the game. Uh, it will probably be closer in in front of it. as you uh, asked. It should be a sellout crowd. They're going to try to have a blackout. Um, they haven't announced whether there'll be special uniforms or not, but it seems there probably will be with. They're selling uh, black jerseys at the at, on the online school store and at the school store too. So it seems like it'll be a special event uh, for Mississippi State this week. This is new territory for Kentucky football. When the basketball team goes on the road, it's a blackout, maroon out, blue out, red out. Wherever they go play, they don't get that treatment in football. So uh, that, that that's you know maybe it's sign of the times, or also just a night game for Mississippi State. So they're looking to jump on any opportunity to have a blackout during a night game. Either or, Kentucky fans are probably going to take it as the former instead of the latter. Uh, give me <laughs> one offensive player that UK fans probably don't know about that they need to watch out for on Saturday night on the Bulldogs squad. Yeah, Fred Ross is, is certainly that guy. He leads the Mississippi State in receptions, and everyone knows about Deronia Wilson, that big 6'5 uh, target for Mississippi State. But Fred Ross has really cleaned up this year as teams are doubling Deronia Wilson, trying to take him out of the game plan. But as I said, Dak Prescott's really evolved as a passer, and he, he hasn't forced it into Deronia Wilson. He says, you know what, if they're going to give me Fred Ross, uh, I'll take that all day. And up until the last, basically last week when he left, uh, with an injury, he should be back this week, but he was kind of banged up. He was on pace to set the single-season record for most receptions in, in a season for Mississippi State. So he's really uh, just blown away everybody this year in his season. He came in uh, the same class as Deronia Wilson, but was actually a more talented player. A shoulder injury kind of held him back his freshman season, and Deronia Wilson took off. But really, talent for talent, Fred Ross probably has just as much as Deronia Wilson, and he's shown it this season. It's certainly a potent uh, Mississippi State offense, one that I, I think a lot of people thought would take a step back this season. It doesn't seem to be the case. What's your final? Do you what's your final prediction for Saturday? And I know you said you you see it being a close game. Uh, and maybe give me a, a key of how Kentucky could pull out an upset win on the road. Yeah, I think as you said, it would be an upset win. I think going on the road in the SEC anywhere is difficult. So I think you know Mississippi State will probably pull out a close a close game. Um, but it's, it, to me, it's the turnovers. Mississippi State's defense hasn't created a lot of turnovers uh, this year. Uh, and when you look at the, the, the Mississippi State offense, they've given the ball away quite a bit. When you discount Dak Prescott and have thrown an interception, they thrown the ball quite a bit. So if they can, it, it might depend on who is it Mississippi State's defense creating turnovers or Mississippi State's offense giving away turnovers. I think that may be the the, the the thing that swings the pendulum maybe to Kentucky's favor if, if they're going to come in and win. It'll be interesting to see how it all plays out. Uh, I really appreciate you coming on. It's great talking to you. Uh, Mike Bonner of the Clarion Ledger. Hopefully we'll talk to you somewhere down the road, maybe around basketball season. Yeah, we didn't get any basketball questions in, but uh, we'll, 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 we'll be in touch later. Enjoy the game on Saturday. Sounds great. Thanks. All right. Uh, Mike Bonner from the Clarion Ledger. Great talking to him and, uh, really some insight on a Mississippi State team that somebody that covers them thinks that Kentucky's going to be able to make this game competitive. Uh, but I, I do think that people just have no clue how powerful this Mississippi State offense is just because people didn't haven't given it the same attention, the same amount of respect that they did last season. It's really good. Why is that, by season. the way? I don't know. I, I really don't know because, I, I, you know, they did lose some offensive linemen. They did lose that running back that was incredibly talented for them. They have really no rushing attack. Uh, Dak Prescott's their leading rusher, and it's not really even close after that. 
but they did lose that really good running back last year. Um, I have no idea. And they were picked to finish last in the SEC West, but he's right. Darunia Wilson and Fred Ross are two of the better receivers in the conference. Uh, and then Dak Prescott, without a doubt, is the best quarterback in the conference. I I have no idea. I have no answer for that. I Trevor. can't remember if it was this show or this is what happens when you, you intertwine in so many shows on the station. But before the season, they, we did our, uh, I guess, Heisman predictions in terms of I, I picked Dak Prescott as my, my dark horse again this year. And now, I mean, it's still obviously a huge dark horse, but that's what it was—a dark horse because I wasn't trying to put him in the same level as, you know, Boykin and, and some of the, and the LSU running back and other guys like that. But I mean, he's having as a pretty damn good year, and I, I mean, maybe it's like you said, it's not as explosive as last year, but I mean, it's probably more accurate, and maybe he's got obviously a little bit more to do with it. But right, last year he threw twenty-seven touchdowns, eleven picks. He's, I mean, eleven. Touchdowns, as you mentioned, zero interceptions. Zero interceptions. And he's, his yardage is about half of what it was last year. He's at 1,700. He threw for 3,400 last year. So, I mean, he's on somewhat of a pace to similarly match a lot of his numbers from last year, but yet doesn't have the same hype. And, and, and while some of his numbers are being matched, the efficiency is actually better. It's insane. I mean, Kentucky. And he has ran their... for almost a thousand yards last year, eight hundred ninety-six. He's running for three hundred, uh, two hundred fifty this year. And yeah, and they've made a point not to run him more. Yeah, but he's he's Mississippi State's leading rusher, and like I said, it's not even close when it comes to their rushing attack. He's got fifty-nine rushes for two hundred fifty-four yards, four touchdowns, a long of fifty yards, forty-nine yards. Their next running back, Brandon Holloway, has thirty-six rushes. Or you can talk about Ashton Shumpert, who has 42 rushes. Josh uh, Robinson so, was the running back you were thinking of, by the way. Josh Robinson was good. Kentucky yeah. could not tackle them if they had, if they were allowed to have 20 guys on the field last he, year. He would have he would have run for 300 yards in flag football last year against Kentucky. It, the, you know, it was insane. It was a very Dalvin Cook tackling performance last year. <laughs> oh, nice, nice shot at back. Is that your uh, subtle shot back at me for making the flag football joke? It, it, yeah, sure. <laughs> uh, but those two, Holloway and Shumpert, Mississippi State's two leading running backs have rushed for a combined 320 yards on 78 carries. Now, these are actual running backs. 320 yards, 78 carries. Uh, not a great average of, eh, it's okay, four yards per carry. But Dak Prescott by himself has rushed 59 times. So that's 19 less times, Trevor, for your math. And has rushed for 254 yards. Uh, so, you know, uh, only about 70 yards less than their two actual running backs when you combine those numbers. Two of their uh, top so, five runners are quarterbacks. Really? Even Who's their the backup quarterback has 98 yards rushing, which is just oh, what, Nick Fitzgerald, which is 20 yards shy of their third running back at 128. Yeah, <laughs> it's just uh, <laughs> interesting. So, you know, you wouldn't worry too much about having to stop the running back, which has changed for Kentucky this year than facing Mississippi State last year. But you still have to find a way to contain Dak Prescott and you still have to ask a lot out of your cornerbacks having to cover Darunia Wilson and Fred Ross. It's going to be a challenge for Kentucky's defense. I am very convinced that Patrick Toll is going to be able to score on Mississippi State. I think Kentucky's going to be able to run on Mississippi State. I think they're going to be able to do what they want to do. But can you slow down their offense is going to be the big question. We need to head to a commercial break. We'll be right back here on 1450 The Sports Bus.
What what would you say you do here? Well, look, I already told you. I deal with the customers so the engineers don't have to. I have people skills. I am good at dealing with people. Can't you understand that? What the hell is wrong with you people? Now, back to the Sports Talker with T.J. Walker. We're back here, 1450 The Sports Buzz. Thursdays are, I get more excited about Thursdays than I do Fridays, Trevor. I don't really know why. Maybe it's because football is on tonight. Who's tonight's Maybe. game, by the way? The Seahawks traveling to San Francisco. Must win for Seattle. Uh, Must win for Seattle. Yeah, probably. Yeah, probably. So. Oh, hell for, yeah, it is. Yeah, they've choked, what, back-to-back weeks now? Uh yes, or is yeah. it back to back? Yeah, they they choked against the they choked the fourth quarter lead against the Bengals and then last week against the Panthers. And they should have lost to the Lions. Oh my! Uh, I don't, <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to remember. That was that the that. game where he, he batted it out of the back of the end zone. Oh yeah, yes, you're right. Correct. Yeah, yeah. It should have lost that one, but two and four on the year. And while you look at the San Francisco game, you say, okay, they're they're going to win at San Francisco. Clayby one sixteen is a big. 49ers fan cheering for your 49ers tonight. They used to be, remember when the, you know, a hot minute ago when the 49ers and the Seahawks were the biggest rivalry in the NFL for, for like two seasons. It was, was it even two seasons? Yeah. It was, yeah I, th- I thought once they finally took off that uh, stupid beats by Dre commercial with uh, Kaepernick, that rivalry ended. No, that, rival- <laughs> that rivalry was the thing there for about two years. And uh, and then we all realized that uh, Kaepernick has been overrated since the day he signed his contract and, Harbaugh was basically the what made probably ninety percent of teams successful, and now we're looking at the result of what's left. They play tonight, and then I'm sure there's some college football games on as right. well. East Carolina and somebody. Nothing as uh, good Temple. as last Thursday's Kentucky Auburn game, <laughs> which you know that was a, a great time at Commonwealth Stadium doing the t- doing the show at Clay's famous tailgate. But, um, Any fantasy uh, players to keep an eye on for tonight's game? I've just got Seattle's defense, which I'm you know hoping they can score a few touchdowns. You got California, UCLA in football tonight. That's a pretty good game. Oh, that should be a, a very high. You got Sunny Dykes game. out there in uh, in Berkeley. The game's going to be down in L.A. though at UCLA. That should be a fun one. That Over under sixty nine and a half. <laughs> that's uh, wow. That's actually you would think normally I would say that's uh, that's I'd lean towards the under, but I might have to lean towards the over on that one. Uh, what did you say? Did that you said they got hammered by Stanford last week, didn't they? Yeah, last week I believe. Yeah, on Thursday night football was it not? They got hammered. Yes, you are correct. That was the game after Kentucky. Yeah. So I didn't get to watch much of it. it was the game after Kentucky. You didn't miss Auburn. much. Stanford blew up on them like within, I mean, twenty-one nothing type score, and then it was just basically coasting from there on. And UCLA wins this season against Virginia, UNLV, and BYU in Arizona. 56, 24, 37, 34. So points. how many points they scored? Even yeah. Their yeah. loss to Stanford, they put up 35. What did Stanford score? 50? 56. Yeah. <laughs> Unfortunately for UCLA, by, uh, 20 of those 35 points, they were already down by probably multiple, obviously, four more touchdowns when they did score them. So it was kind of a moot point for them to put those points up. But it does tell you that, yeah. I would probably take the over on that because California's another team with uh, golf at quarterbacks. It's going to pour, but it's going to score. I mean, they love to score some points. Have a few texts I need to, to get, watch. Have a few texts I need to get to on the show. 
uh, let's see. First off from Clay B116, he said he's a big Niners fan, said this is a must-lose for the 49ers, trying to get that number one draft spot. Uh, Kaepernick's actually played well lately. Uh, now, two out of three games were the worst of his career, but the past two, he's been pretty good. Kaepernick I had in fantasy last year, just thinking, all right, maybe he can get some rushing touchdowns here and there. Uh, he's terrible. I've uh, never been a fan of his. I thought he was a bum from the start. Before that, Clay B116 says Louisville fans and students are getting close to being on the level of Penn State fans and Florida State fans on Twitter. I wouldn't. Wow. Well, first of all, no, wow. no, nobody at the University of Louisville has resorted to riot-like acts to prove a point. So, I mean, I wouldn't go that far to compare them to Penn State. I it, But I hope it doesn't get to like that. But what Louisville fans need to understand is that the rest of the nation is judging you and your university, and you don't have to, what I in the biz call being a butt slapper, Trevor, you don't have to be a butt slapper. You can formulate your own opinions, you can sit back, you can you can have an unpopular opinion on this, because there's so many variables out there. You don't have to blindly say, I'm a Louisville fan, throw up your L, say L1C4, and then just go and sing kumbaya with your best other Louisville friend. You don't have to do those things. You shouldn't do those things. Just be patient and formulate your own opinions. Don't let people tell you what you need to think. But just too many, I think, are just automatically rushing and saying, all right, this is our head coach. He was our head coach last year. As long as he's our head coach, nothing can be wrong. Everything's going to be fine. Just quit. Here's where I'm confused. Slow down. How can you be a butt slapper if you're a? Well, I was one of those butt smokers. I don't understand how you can be one of the both of them. Can you be both? And I, I, I admitted that I was wrong. See, the thing is, you're gonna always play that, but that is me admitting I'm wrong. Something I don't know if you've ever done, Trevor. Oh, now first of all, I have probably. Not. I, I don't know if it's anything that you've ever done before. <laughs> I've admitted I was wrong when I when I'm wrong. I just haven't been wrong. I don't know. Now, don't blame me for being right. Why, why, why you gotta hate on me for one being right all the time? Got another text into the show. From Twitter at at Big Appa, who says because Louisville here's here's what he is talking about when it comes to Louisville. He says that they think that they can get anyone in the top tier to come after Rick Pitino. Uh, that's not the case, especially with this mess. No one will want that job. I disagree with that. Now you might not be able to get you, you're not going to be able to get Brad Stevens, but you probably weren't going to be able to get Brad Stevens regardless. Well, no college. Uh, Shaka, yeah, taking the Shaka Smart, game. you probably aren't going to get because he just got to Texas, and they're, he's going to have enough respect to stay there for a few years. I'm not saying he's going to be a lifer at Texas, but probably be there a few years. So you might not be able to get anybody that you want, but they'd still be able to get somebody. It's still a good job. They'd still be able to get a fairly big name. They're not going to um, be able to get, you know, pick. Uh, they're not going to be able to get Sean Miller from Arizona. Who I think that's the hottest name thrown around out there, but we'll, we'll be able to get somebody good uh, when the time comes. I disagree with what uh, Big Appa had to say. It just depends on the, exactly who they want. I mean, do they want you know Thad Motter from Ohio State? Well, you're probably not going to like you said. You're probably not going to get him from Ohio State, nor or a Sean Miller like you mentioned out of Arizona. And Archie Miller might be a better uh, reach for that one. Archie Miller, I think, is somebody you can get and somebody that you should jump on. I think that'd be a great hire. I don't think too many people. Well, once we know the penalties then we can have this conversation again. Uh, and I think we probably will know the penalties before the end of the season. So if when Louisville probably does have to hire somebody, that's still my stance. I think this will be Rick Pitino's last year, even if he's so adamant that he won't step down before the season. 
uh, you'll, I think you'll know the penalty. So maybe a coach wouldn't take the job if they didn't know exactly what was coming because they could be scared that, oh, wow, I'd, I'd start my first two or three years with a postseason ban. Ooh, that sounds like some that sounds like an uphill climb. I don't want to be a part of it. But that depends on, the, on what level coach you go to because, I mean, yeah. you could look at that. I mean, Patino could have done the same thing when he went to Kentucky, but Kentucky was a, a – the name brand enough, even with the, the 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 what they were facing in terms of pro in terms of punishment. I almost said probation again. Uh, in terms of punishment uh, from the NCAA regarding the whole, uh, you know, Chris Mills and and all that stuff in '88. I mean, he still took that job. You know, granted he was. I mean, they didn't take him from the Knicks. He was leaving the Knicks anyway. But I mean, he he still was accepting that job with what punishments were ahead. So I mean. Hey, it, it all de- you're right. I mean, it all depends on what level I maybe a coach you're looking to grab. If you're looking to grab someone like even Archie Miller, I think would leave Dayton in in, in the blink of an eye, regardless of even going in blindly, not knowing what kind of punishments would be ahead of him to take a, a job at Louisville. Uh, it, it'll be interesting to see exactly how it all shakes out. Mm-hmm. Anyways, we've also yep. got. I, I wanted to bring this up, and I, but I, you have a Louisville student who is suing Katina Powell. I'm sure you've heard about this, Trevor. I have. I have. I've, I've, I've read it. Uh, it's, um, I don't know. If, I don't know. I don't know if I'm, I don't know. If, I don't know if I, I don't know if I want to laugh when I read that. I mean, I kind of, it, it, it's just stupid. I mean, I, 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 I don't know if, if she's looking for and trying for her own right to her own way to, to get publicity in this situation. Or she just feels like she's being charged too much for education at Louisville, and this is a in a way to try to get some money back towards it because she's claiming that Katina Powell's book has devalued her education in some way. I don't know how it's devalued her education. I haven't. Not, I mean, it's the first I've heard that phrase used involving this entire scandal. But I I would like to think whoever the she is, her family's got a nice amount of money because she's wasting a ton of it probably doing this. Well, uh, the student is Kyle Hornbeck, who is, uh, again, suing the University of Louisville. It's a lady, too. A woman named Kyle. It is. She is the winner of the Miss Cardinal Country pageant. Oh, yeah. Prestigious award. Not 100% sure what pageant that is or (laughs) what that exactly means. But, uh, yeah, she's suing Katina Powell for basically saying that it's – devaluing her education, giving her university a bad name, could be hurting her chances at grad school. <laughs> stop. Hey, wouldn't, so- you, wouldn't you sue at this point? Wouldn't you are sue you Andre telling McGee? me to stop for laughing, or are you telling her to stop? No, no, I'm telling her to stop. Okay, because I'm sue- over here laughing at your, 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 your reasonings that you're reading that I, I did read earlier, and you're like, stop, and I thought you were yelling at me for a moment. Sorry. <laughs> wouldn't you sue Andre McGee before you'd sue Katina Powell? And I think their premise on suing is that she is making money off prostitution, and there's a Kentucky state law that you can't – I think it might be a, a federal law that you can't profit. Well, it's a state-by-state state because you can profit in Nevada. Well, not necessarily off prostitution, but I think there's maybe a federal law that you can't profit off a criminal act. So if somebody went in and if there was a, a the, murderer – yeah, you can't. You could, the murderer you can't write, write a book and make money. Yeah, that's that's that is true. Yes, that is a law. Okay, so maybe in this case, since she and I know that it is a state by state law, and prostitution is obviously elite. Isn't prostitution still illegal in Vegas? No. Well, it's illegal in the city of Las Vegas. It is not illegal to the entire state, though. I'm glad that you're here for our prostitution. <laughs> 
law. It is, it is legal outside the city limits. Okay. And in Reno and other cities as well. No, actually, I think it might be illegal in the city limits of Reno as well. But yeah, you're right. And that's, that's something, for example, to give a good example of a guy like Charles Manson, who clearly everyone knows, regardless whether you even know the details of why he's famous for what the heinous acts he committed or orchestrated. It wasn't actually there, but nonetheless, uh, he's that's he's written multiple books, done multiple albums, and does not see a penny of the profits from, or if there is any, from any of his endeavors while he's in prison. Okay, so the, it, I, I think that's their premise, is that she is making money off this book when she is admitting to prostitution, which she actually is not admitting to, and that she shouldn't see any of those profits. And I think the, the lawsuit is stating that, that those profits from her book should go to the L students, and I think they want it to be a class action lawsuit, so they, they, they're going to add names to this lawsuit. I'm sure the Louisville bus <laughs> Hasn't Katina given enough to the Louisville students? <laughs> yeah, it seems like she has, and their parents, too. Yeah, I mean, come on. <laughs> but she's, uh, she's already bent over backwards more times than that, than I can recount to, to, for the Louisville students. Hell, she she was part of your old recruiter. She's already done enough for you guys. She's already given no, three of her daughters to him. I mean, come on. In, in all honesty, this is this is asinine. This is ludicrous. This is, I think, I agree with you. Somebody that has maybe a little too much family money than they know what to do with, and they're so mad about everything that's going on, they wanted to try to do something in their own power, and this is the best thing that they could come up with. I mean, this, uh, this is. I just I just hope one day to like wake up and. See this on Judge Judy or something. I mean, this just seems like the type of case. That's what we need, Judge jo- James Brown or Joe Brown, whatever his name is. Let's uh, listen. Let's get listen. him to, to, to oversee this case. Isn't that? There, what, that wouldn't that be? Isn't that when this in terms of a civil lawsuit? Isn't that what falls in the category of what you see on Judge Judy's? No, this this wouldn't this wouldn't make it up on Judge Judy. This is probably gonna because people have to agree to go on Judge Judy first off. Second off, this is probably <laughs> gonna get thrown out before it turns into anything serious. Uh, there's just no way that this is going to amount to anything. Why not? Again, why not sue Andre McGee? In, in all honesty, if you're if you're Kyle Hornbeck, why not sue Andre McGee? He's the one that did this. Second off. I don't want to act like people bring strippers to parties all across college campus. I think this is a very rare thing, not just for athletes, but just in general. I, I was never at a party in my four years of college where there were strippers. And I don't think, and it's kind of stupid for me to even have to say that because I don't think there were many people that were in college that went to parties with strippers. But it has happened before. What if Trevor, another stripper, wanted to write a book about going Only to a university? A deal. That was me. Then what? <laughs> what if another stripper wants to go to another university and, and write about how she went to frat parties and stripped for fraternity members? Now, do you think somebody at that university would sue that stripper for selling her story? Uh, someone no. in a fraternity might. <laughs> no, no. Nobody would do that because it's not a big deal. But the fact of the matter is this has hit national news. It's about her beloved athletic program. She's a huge Cards fan. She doesn't like to see them in a negative light. So she probably asked Daddy what she could do. <laughs> She's like, Dad, Daddy said that they, they you called named their lawyer. Me, I'm, I'm, I'm a woman that you named Kyle. You owe me, Dad. No, you can't. No, we're not, we're not going to make fun of her for her name, but we will make fun of her for this because that's – and so many people are probably going to just say, way to go. We're glad somebody's doing something about that. 
but this is ridiculous. It's another another frivolous lawsuit, which is makes you shake your head. It, it's the abuse of the legal system from for most people. I, I, you know, Trevor, I said it yesterday, and I, I found a way that I'm going to be able to end my show. You know, the the good radios have their little taglines. I just go, I just I just go blank like uh, Sopranos. You never know you when the show. You never know when the show's going to actually end. It may. <laughs> Hello, it may everybody. End. It's uh, it's inside the press box with Trevor Kelsey. That's it. That's <laughs> at the end of the show, I'll just be like, "Well, thanks," and that's it. And it goes. And sometimes I'll end it just at certain times. I like to keep the listeners on their toes. Mine's going to be, and I said it yesterday. I'm going to start saying this after every show. Don't be a dumb fan. Wow, well, good luck on that. I but mean. really, just don't be a dumb fan. And what when you go of to write fan bases are dumb though. When, I mean. when uh, too much, I agree. And it's not just well, this I has agree. just as much to do with everywhere else. But when you think you're going to tweet something. Always, a little word of advice, always put yourself on the other side's shoe. Read it back to yourself, maybe, Read it back to yourself and always put your side, always be your own devil's advocate. And think, okay, if I say this, what is, like you're playing chess, what would somebody say back to this? Always be two steps ahead when you're going to post something, say something, put something out there. And then most of the time you'll catch yourself from being a dumb fan or saying something stupid. I'm but, assuming there's something in particular you have on your mind. There's really not. I, I, I'm just, I, I'm sick of, in this regard, I'm, I'm sick of Louisville fans feeling like they have to blindly support Rick Pitino. Because, and their calling card is, he didn't know, he didn't know, he didn't know. That's okay if he didn't know. That might be just as bad if these things are true, which they clearly are. Would you say I'm blindly supporting Rick Pitino? No, because I... you don't, Trevor. I mean, I think he should be held responsible, but I don't think he should have to step down. And that's fine. I'm not saying, I don't think he should have to step down. I think if I were a Louisville fan, I'd want him to, because that will look better to the NCAA, and it'll help, again, like I've said time after time, the healing process. But no, you are not who I'm talking about. I don't know if there's anybody that texts into the show, tweeting the show, that has called into the show uh, over the past few weeks that I am referring to as being a dumb fan. But just be smart, guys. Be smart throughout this entire process. Kentucky fans... Also, this relates to you and so many other matters. We're out of time on today's show. We'll be back tomorrow. We didn't get to play Throwback Thursday. I'm sorry, Trevor. Yeah, we'll get Big okay. Bag Dave I'm on to sue. talk. Well, yeah. <laughs> that's another, don't be a dumb fan and sue. You know, that relates to Miss Cal Hornback as well. We're out of time. We'll be back tomorrow. We'll get Big Bag Dave on. We'll do the PT picks of the week. <laughs> don't be a dumb fan. Take a Jordan boy, show him how Kentucky do. Uncle Priest, class six, paint Kentucky blue. They say don't forget two seven, no be hitting two. Song call it blue, grass, song call it purple. I'ma call it home, take a shot of throne. Lay back in the lap and take two to the dome. Ride from the bill to be G in my zone. Let me hear you say high time, sitting by the river. Got my old shotgun, fishing pole in my liquor. Cause people always trying to tell me how to run my life. When they say I'm going wrong, and I swear I'm doing right. Come on. Sitting by the river, got my old shotgun, fishing pole in my liquor. Say it's time to take a trip to where the grass is blue and peep how the mid south do. Come on, it's okay.